to Welcome, everybody, to What the Truck on this beautiful Monday afternoon. I'm Vincent the Dude, and he is Dooner. What's going on, Dooner, man? You have a great weekend? Hey, you know hey, you know what happened on uh, this day one year ago today? Andrew Luck retired. Um, you ever think about... Oh, uh, that's right. You ever think about leaving in your prime, just, just quitting tomorrow, pull, pulling up stakes and... Uh, I haven't hit my prime yet, bro. <laughs> or so I've been told. I, I don't think I, I don't think I could consider hitting my I, dude. My 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 philosophy is I'm gonna just do a power slide right into the grave, dude. No no slowing down. I'm not hanging it up. I'm going full throttle the whole way. Well, that's a good thing because we got a big show today, right? On today's show, we're talking about an unprecedented pair of storms that could spell double trouble for freight. Ten Streets partnership with truckers against trafficking a widow of a murdered trucker who is still seeking answers and the logistics of logistics. It's going to be a time. It's going to be a great show, man. Does it seem to you like our topics just keep raising the bar every, like every show? They could. You know, a headline just came up on FreightWaves.com, too, about insurance scams going on. A bunch of people were staging accidents with tr- with their cars and 18-wheelers. All of these headlines that we'll get to today will be on FreightWaves.com. But that's another story. It just came up at, at Showtime, so I haven't had a chance to fully read into it. But, uh, yeah, always a lot of activity going on over at uh, at FreightWaves, right? Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. And this year, just get double hurricanes. Double hurricanes. Really? Double hurricane bow. <laughs> it's insane, man. All right. Well, let's get to it because we got to call up Nick Austin. But before that, check out the Q3 Shipper Report produced in partnership with U.S. Bank and Bloom Global. Go check that out. That's also on FreightWaves.com. And it's time to tip the band. Got a new one now. Freight claims get a bad rap, Michael Vincent, don't they? And rightfully so. Yes, they do. Rightfully so. But with transactional all-risk insurance coverage through UPS Capital Insurance, almost 99% of claims are paid. Right. With most in four days or less. No waiting around for that money when you need it most. Annual policies are pay as you go. Options are available to cover all modes and carriers. Natively integrate insurance coverage into your shipping and ERP platforms and establish business rules for coverage based on SKU, carrier, receiver or even more. Then leverage claims data to pinpoint risks in your supply chain. Where do they got to go? They got to go to uscapital.com forward slash insure immediately after the show. Yes. And check it out. Get a quote. Yeah, more information and get a quote right there. All right, let's call up Nick Austin right now and uh, see what's going on with these storms up in the air. I just got to pull them up real quick over here. All right. Fast paced forecast. There's no earthly way of knowing. Hey, Nick Austin, what's happening, my hey. man? In which direction we are going? Is it raining? Is it snowing? <laughs> are the uh, fires of hells are glowing? <laughs> Great scene, bro. All right, Great hey, scene. ride the boat, hey, Nick Austin. That's hey, Nick. it. I'm- Nick, what's going on with these storms, my man? Well, uh, tropical storm Marco is about to hit uh, Louisiana here in probably about six hours. It's probably going to make landfall. So at least it's not a hurricane. So there won't be a lot of wind damage, but there's going to be a lot of flooding and heavy rain. Uh, New Orleans, uh, other parts of the Gulf Coast, over to Western Florida. So it's going to be some problems there. Um, yeah, and, and it's and, heading it's heading west towards like College Station, right? Uh, I mean, by like uh, what in two days it's going to keep heading west. Is that right? Um. Marco, once it makes landfall, it will head west, and it could end up in Texas. But by then, it'll probably just 
be a you know, regular old low pressure system. I mean, it'll dump some rain over there, but it's not going to, I don't think, do a whole lot of damage over in Texas. It's mostly going to be Louisiana coast, uh, Mississippi coast, western Florida. That'll really uh, fill the brunt of it. So we only have about 40 mile per hour winds on this force storm that's coming through, but it's blanketing the coast. What What is the impact here when you have two storms coming in like that, with the second one following through? First one, not the strongest storm in the world, but the, the, the water that it could put in place there, right, could raise the sea level, which could be disastrous for the second storm potentially, right? Yeah, it, it's the storm surge. Laura is going to hit uh, the Gulf Coast probably Wednesday night or early Thursday, and probably as a hurricane. It's going to be stronger than Marco. So just like you said, it's the winds pushing that water on shore, that storm surge, along with heavy rain falling out of the sky, too, because of the storm. So that's why the flooding is really going to be uh, the primary issue, as opposed to a lot of widespread wind damage. We're talking about widespread flash flooding, uh, which is going to be a, a yeah. problem, particularly once yeah. Laura follows Marco. Once that second storm comes in, it's going to make it a lot worse. Yeah, because Marco's really going to, those rains from Marco are really going to saturate the ground, right? And then and then you follow up with Laura with more heavy rains and storm surge, nowhere for that water to go. The water, the, the ground is, is saturated. It's not a sponge anymore. Exactly. It's going to roll off and flash flooding. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. The ground just won't be able to hold all that water. Now, Michael Vincent, with tender rejections at 24.5%, you get two storms coming in. What are we seeing in sonar? Has there been any impact yet, or are, are carriers not reacting or shippers not reacting at the moment? So, But with the other one coming, we could see something during the week. What are you seeing in sonar? Uh, right now, you're not seeing much of a reaction at this particular moment in time. And I think if Marco was a stronger storm, then you probably would right now because it's right off the coast, obviously. But you've got a day or so. So I think we'll start to see the reactions in today's data and certainly tomorrow's data on what's going on. Volumes are up out of those areas. Otri is up, but it is everywhere. We've had a slight downtick, but there's no immediate just right now a reaction move you'll see that probably tomorrow uh and in today's data so nick it's almost like we're saying here just just watch the weather be mindful of what's going on over there follow that good sound advice of of getting gas stock up your truck you you never know what could happen going into one of those situations and keep abreast of the info where do they go i know you post storm updates uh on social media and on freightwaves.com send people in the right direction yeah absolutely our website um not just uh, the FreightWaves social media sites, but also on uh, my Twitter, which uh, my handle is uh, at FreightWeather. So I always post updates there as well. Uh, so all those places, and that's the most important thing with any of these uh, tropical systems. You have to just uh, really watch for those updates every day because there's always you know little changes happening in the forecast and in the actual movement of these storms. Uh, the forecasters do a great job in the National Hurricane Center, but you know you just have to keep up with it every day, absolutely, and just stay ahead of the game. Thank you so much for your time today, Nick. Don't get rope-a-doped by these 40-mile per winds, and there's another storm coming right behind it, so be mindful. Use all That's that right. sound advice. And if you missed some of it, check out Friday's What the Truck. Craig Fuller came on, gave great information about pulling FEMA loads. That article is also on FreightWaves.com. Nick Austin, thank you for right. your time today. Stay safe out there. Stay dry. You bet. You guys have a good one. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Thanks, Nick. you know, Craig had some uh, just impassioned talk about detention time, right? Pulling those FEMA loads, detention time, making sure you don't get screwed by brokers. Highly recommend you go to FreightWaves.com. 
Freightwaves.com and check that out. There was another article on Freightwaves.com, though, Michael Vincent. This is one that Clarissa yeah. Hawes put up. And uh, this, is, this is one that's kind of hard to summarize, and I highly recommend going and reading it. It's more of a long-form article, but it's about a widow of a murdered trucker who seeks answers six years later. If you're interested in true crime, driver safety, or the need for truck parking, that's something we've been covering a lot lately. Read a report, widow of murdered truck, seeks answers six years later. It's a heartbreaking story of a wife whose husband was shot multiple times well, well, in his rig, and then that rig was set ablaze. Yeah, it absolutely was. And when the police discovered the truck, his wallet containing around $800 in cash was later recovered, along with his backpack uh, in his burned rig. And only his uh, cell phone, an old flip-style phone, and the couple's iPad uh, were actually missing. And it's been six years, and his murder remains completely unsolved. No clues. They're saying it was robbery, but, you know, all they took were the communication devices. Maybe they didn't see. Yeah. His wallet, but that just seems so unlikely. But, you know, you, you don't know what's happening in the area. Maybe the thief got spooked. I mean, like they said, it's unsolved. We did reach out for comment. We didn't hear anything. But this is like this is the part that really struck me was Ashley Boglin. She's the wife of the victim. She works as a physical therapist, assistant athletic trainer for Perry Central School District, Leopold, Indiana, Indiana. She remembers getting ready for work at 530 a.m. on June 26th when her brother-in-law, Mark, called her in a panic. And he says, we need your husband's dental records. Michael Vince, that's not a call you want to get. And and she reacted no. as, as a spouse. Would. She was in denial. She started screaming at the brother-in-law. And it was a tragic situation because this driver, he there was no parking inside this plant in Detroit he was at. So he had to park right outside of it in a high crime area. And, uh, you know, he could have he could have fallen victim of that. But again, still unsolved. Yeah, it sounds like a it sounds like a random act, right? And what an awful thing! And his murder has also sparked a petition called the, uh, the calling for Mike's Law, which is a right to carry for all truckers. You know, making it legal for truckers to carry uh, guns inside their trucks. But uh, obviously, that effort failed, as we've been talking about that in recent months as well. Yeah, and that came up. You know, that came up again even in the mask debate, right? Truckers, you know, there's been a yeah. couple debates going on. Can you bring the concealed carry across state lines? And the other one was. Well, I can't carry my concealed carry weapon on me while wearing a mask because of the laws behind that. And that puts that puts that driver even more at risk. So a lot of tough situations going on there. But go to FreightWaves.com and check out that article. Uh, also, while you're there, if you missed Friday's What the Truck, we talked to truckers against trafficking about the huge issue of uh, just slavery in America, right? That uh, The terrible underground world. Well, Marilyn Suber, she's of the advisory team on 10th Street. They have partnered with Truckers Against Trafficking to do something about it. Let's dial Marilyn up and see what that partnership is all about and how they're helping drivers be the eyes and ears and the first responders on the road in this uh, this nationwide epidemic. Yeah, it's an amazing story. It's sad that we have to talk about this, but love to give this platform. Hello, this is Marilyn. Hey, Marilyn, you are on the air with Dooner and the Dude. Thank you so much for lending your time today to this very important subject. Thank you for having me. So you're Hi, Marilyn. Welcome. Yeah, you, Marilyn, by the way, you did a great job at the uh, I loved your prop, the hat you had at uh, <laughs> at Carrier's at uh, Carrier <laughs> Summit just last week. If you guys want your own hat, go to swag.freightwaves.com. You can get one over there. Some of you might have won a gift certificate, that $50 gift certificate at the event. So check your email box. Marilyn, so you announced a partnership with Truckers Against Trafficking. We talked to them on Friday. They're talking all about the program. So tell us a little bit about why 10th Street started this partnership and how you plan to use your resources to help aid in this problem. Yeah, so the timing really was right for 10th Street to partner with Truckers Against Trafficking. We believe in, as an organization, we believe in the cause. We believe in the good that Truckers Against Trafficking is doing 
um, not only for the trucking community, but for the greater community um, as a as a whole. Um, and for us at 10th Street, we have recently created our own proprietary training library that we are offering to clients, but we're also offer- offering it to drivers via Driver Pulse for free to take training um, just on their own to advance their career path and just kind of become better trained and more informed drivers. And so as we were building this library, um, we thought it was perfect for me to reach out to Truckers Against Trafficking and say, hey, how do we make your training content available to any driver who comes on Driver Pulse? And so they said, yeah, that's great. Thank you. It's really easy to get that partnership started with them. And so we're really thankful uh, to be able to offer that content to thousands of drivers on the Driver Pulse app. That's excellent stuff, Marilyn, and thank you for that work. It's an important cause, obviously. It, it seems like starting uh, this type of training that you're talking about early on seems like it could make some really good headway in, in helping with this issue and stemming the tide and, and reversing this tide of, of trafficking, which is awful. What makes truckers so valuable to to this yeah. solution? Why, why truckers? Why are they so valuable to this? Yeah, truckers are so valuable because they're in places that a lot of the rest of us are not and see things on the road that um, some of us would never even, wouldn't even know what to do if we saw, right? And so they're kind of uniquely qualified and uniquely in these positions to observe those types of things. And my experience with truck drivers is they're really observant and a little bit um, suspecting, if you will, kind of by nature because of their job. They they have to be to protect themselves. And so they're uniquely positioned to notice these types of things in truck stops and rest stops and on the side of the road um, all throughout our country. And so we're really thankful to have them out there being able to report these things. Yeah, I was fascinated when I was talking to Truckers Against Trafficking at uh, at Gats last year, and they were talking about how a lot of just it, it, even just mainstream motels, that things you would drive by normally are used as like de facto brothels in this problem and these women are, are carted from place to place the, their bodies sold on the internet and they have very limited resources or escape and uh, I, I don't know if everyone is, is is aware of that trouble but so how does this work how does your training how does your training work for the drivers because it does sound phenomenal to have those eyes and ears and those beacons of hope on the road yeah so for drivers you know we have um, over a hundred thousand drivers every month logging into driver pulse to apply for a job or manage their career and so now, with any time they log in Pulse, they'll be able to see that training. And so they'll be able to take that Truckers Against Trafficking training on their own, not, you know, and kind of and submit it to any carrier they go to work for and say, hey, I'm trained in this cause. And so um, because of that network effect, we, we think thousands of drivers will get trained, but also bring even more awareness to carriers because, because we have over 2,000 clients of all different sizes. And so as truck drivers are taking that training and pushing it to carriers, it just lets more carriers know, hey, truckers against trafficking, this training is a thing. Um, And it just continues to spread and add more people to get trained in this really important um, piece of training for truck drivers. Yeah, it's a great medium and a great way to get out there. Very easy to do um, through through the app, et cetera. So, can you explain a little bit what is the training that is that is involved? Right? What what are the steps? Right? Do you get certified? And, and kind of what are the steps? What are you training them exactly on? Yeah. So the training is um, actually truckers against trafficking content. 
that they have deemed as say, hey, this is this certifies you as trained by Truckers Against Trafficking. And so it's just training them to be aware of those some of those things we were just talking about, what signs to look out for, you know, where do you, how do you report these types of things, just, you know, just kind of teaching them to be aware on the road and good stewards of the highway and notice those things and how to report it. And so that's kind of, that's what they're being trained on. And as soon as they complete the training, they'll be issued a certificate that certifies them from Truckers Against Trafficking and 10th Street. And so they'll have that certificate in their driver pulse file that they could then push to any carrier that they're going to work for. And also some states, require this training to renew your CDL. And so drivers would also have that certificate on their driver pulse app that they would be able to show at a DMV if needed as well. Yeah, Marilyn, you know, I, when you when you talk about this problem, it's it's often dehumanized as as calling the women lot lizards or there there might be the mentality that, well, they're adults, you know, they're 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 making their own choice and selling their body or selling drugs or whatever it may be. But in most cases with human trafficking, the education you're putting out there is no, they're forced into this. This is not their will to be doing this. Is isn't that correct? Yes, that's correct. These are and a lot of times they're not adults. A lot of times they are, you know, we hear of cases, you know, underage um, specifically, you know, teenagers, 16, 17, even 18 years, you know, 18 years old, um, that are forced into these trafficking rings or, you know, some other horrible way that they're forced into it. And so it's not always, or, you know, adults just saying, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, there's all types of stories, heart, heartbreaking stories, you know, that you'll hear, you know, and really a lot of success stories too, you know, from truck drivers who have been able to report some of these rings that are happening across the country and, you know, put a stop to it. Yeah. So is it, is it exclusively uh, centered towards the uh, sex trafficking trade, uh, Marilyn, or are there, there are other issues there as well? So, you know, most of this, you know, the kind of the core of it is against, you know, sex trafficking, sex trafficking, but I think that, you know, kind of all of those things go hand in hand and whenever uh-huh. sex trafficking rings are exposed, a lot of times other types of act, illegal activity are exposed in that. So I think a lot of the training is relevant for exposing other things as well, because some of the signs are the same, right? Some of the suspicious activity and some of the places where some of the stuff is happening, uh, you know, the, some of the things that you might notice are similar for drugs, you know, drugs and sex trafficking. Marilyn, for the decision makers who are listening to this, for the decision makers who are listening to this, where do they go to, to start using the service that 10 street has? So if they want to, they can download the driver pulse app via the app store or, you know, on their Android device, or they can go to 10 street.com or they can go to um, truckers against trafficking.org. Wow, Marilyn, thank you so much. I mean, this isn't a to- this is a topic that that nobody wants to talk about, and that is one of the problems because nobody wants to talk about it. It's easier to look the other way. It's easier to say, "Not my problem." That's their world, but it is our problem. And if we're going to be good stewards of our own country and good stewards of the road, it's something we need to look out for. And uh, you know, God bless you for your work that you're doing here. Thank you, and um, thanks for having us. Thanks, Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, that's not an easy topic. And, you know, we had to do two on these, no. though, because it, it was brought to our attention by by both organizations. And um, 
it, it felt right to give this kind of coverage. No, it absolutely is right. It, it's it's a tough topic. It's it kind of weighs on you whenever you talk about it. But giving a giving this proper form and getting that word out there and helping with this cause is something that obviously we want to do, and it is important to me as well. Uh, so tough topic, but we've we've got to talk about it and expose it. So hopefully, people will jump on board with uh, Ten Street and uh, TAT and and help solve this issue. Wayne Craig says, hey, guys, from Memphis, Tennessee. Andy Radwa says, update on storms, please. We got that earlier in the show with Nick Austin. Uh, if you didn't catch that, you can always catch this on demand. Look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast player or download the Freightways TV app. And you can watch this thing and see my shirt that Eric Sertich says is a nice shirt. Muhammad says, hi, guys, from H-Town. And Brian Ritchie says, happy fun day. Let's get it. Yeah, maybe we'll move into some more fun stuff now. We're going to call Joe Lynch from Logistics of Logistics over in lovely Howell, Michigan. So let's dial him up right now. He's uh, He's been All right. he's been in the business for a long time. He's been doing podcasting for a while. We're going to get some tales from behind the mic from him. He's interviewed a lot of the big names in shipping and logistics, and we'll find out what Hello, some Hello, Dooner. Hey, hey uh, Joe, thanks for joining uh, <laughs> Dooner and the Dude on the air on What the Truck. Uh, looking forward to talking to you, buddy. You've been uh, behind the mic for a while, so I think we're a little bit empathetic to one another's cause. <laughs> Thank you so much. Who's the dude? The dude's Michael Vincent. You don't That's ask me. that question when you come on. Uh, you I don't oh, think I know you yet, Michael. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Who's the dude? Oh, my gosh. Who's the dude? All right, Joe. Joe, what is the logistics <laughs> of logistics? So I, I can tell you my quick story. At the logistics of logistics, I started off kind of doing, like, digital marketing. Oh, I was a blog. So when I was still running a little 3PL, I, was not, I didn't own it. I was just the general manager. And I started a blog, the logistics of logistics. And then I don't know, seven, eight years ago, people started saying, hey, can you help me do that? I was like, do what? They're like, get articles and websites and all that. I was like, sure. So I kind of was in a digital marketing space, sales training space for a while. And then I started a podcast because my friend George um, Muha out in New Jersey said, you should do a podcast. And I remember saying to him, are you crazy? I was like, and I was thinking, what if he lost his mind? I was like, this is so stupid. I don't even know what that is. And then a year later, I have a podcast. So after a while, people said, I don't need a website, but you know, I wouldn't mind being on your podcast. I don't need sales training, but I wouldn't mind being on your podcast. So it kind of grew that way. That's amazing. So you've been doing that for quite some time now. Uh, about two years. About a, about a lot of big names in the industry, et cetera. Do you have any good tales from behind the mic? I will say that the, the, the best part of my podcast, and I'm not just saying this to be nice, it's having people like you on. Uh, when you came on my podcast, I got to know you. We spent, you know, probably an hour prepping and then uh, 50 minutes on the podcast. I got to know you in a way that I would have never in a casual setting, you know, where you kind of walk by and say, oh, I met Dooner at the, you know, at Freight Waves conference. Um, it's you get to know people and then I really get to know your story. And I'm also exposed to just so many cool things. So that has been the best part. Do another example. I, I had Craig Fuller on my podcast. I, I, I feel like those are those are not opportunities that I would have unless I had this podcast. So I meet really great people. The fact that other people get to hear me talk to them is almost secondary. <laughs> wow! So Mike Michael Vincent, you you know you've been behind the mic. You joined the media team over here uh, back back in the Marchish era, right? And then you started freight forecasting yeah. for us. But you've and with, between that midday market update, all the work you've been doing, you have been talking to a lot of people. What are some of your favorite interviews? You got to tell behind the mic. 
Uh, well, I, not a, any one specific, right? I think I'm, I'm a newbie to this, uh, uh, Joe. So uh, it, only about six, seven months, whatever it happens to be. And I, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I thought I would be absolutely terrible. I still can't believe people watch me, but uh, it's kind of one of those things. <laughs> My favorite ones are also the most frustrating ones is what I find, Joe. When I don't have enough time, I'm so interested in a topic and I want to keep going and I've got to cut them off. Those, I think, are the hardest ones. Yeah. Even harder than the ones where you ask a question and they say, I don't know. And then there's dead air because you can go on and, and you can fill that time. Um, but those those frustrating ones are where you want more out of what they're going. And you really got a great conversation going on. Oh, yeah. I got it. Totally great. If I could add something. Yeah, go for if, it. If I, if I could add something real quick. I feel like and, and you have them on your podcast. I have them on my podcast. You guys have all those podcasts you have them on. There are so many people who are flat out experts in what they do but no one knows their name. And, and then but partly because blabbermouth like myself, I'm on the podcast all the time. And I'm talking to someone, someone says, you really know stuff. I don't know the stuff that the people on my podcast know because they're busy with their practicing their craft. So I feel like it, it, one cool thing about doing the podcast, me and certainly freight waste is the fact that these people who should really be sharing great expertise, great knowledge and experience finally kind of have more of a voice. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you, Joe, there. I mean, sort of my thesis in podcasts when I started the the shipping pod and one I carry through to this day is that our our end of the spectrum, our end of the business was not highlighting people enough. We were highlighting companies, highlighting features and those kind of things. But I find people a lot more interesting than companies. People people build companies and drive companies, right? The the, the organic decision-making behind this, this uh, what's on the road and the digital and all of that kind of stuff. For me, though, like what's most exciting is uh, when people surprise you. Like, Michael Vincent, remember we had Lance Healy on and just out of nowhere, where he pulls out yeah. the mouth harp and it's like, wow, you know, they surprise you because like they're not BSing you that you're a li- that they're a listener. You know, they're they're aware we're doing this sort of play it forward thing or we hit the, the cowbell and they just know the show and they know the tone and uh no and you know they, right. they know the dude. <laughs> And that's it. You know what, Dooner, that's an interesting thing because, you know, what, uh, you know, Joe, to your to your point, finding out from these experts and getting them on there and giving them that voice that they normally wouldn't educate yourself. One, which I find awesome. I learn something new every day from these people every time I talk to them and it helps educate the off, uh, the, the audience as well. They may learn things that they had no idea that they uh, w- were out there. But you see that human element, too. I really enjoy that part of it as well, where you discover that these that, you know, uh, the stories of Trevor Milton and 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 so on and so forth, how he started. And, and you know, they were accused of running a, uh, a brothel in his basement when they first started the company out there with Nicola and stuff. And, um, you know, so those and, and they're human. Right. Because I just joked with him. I said it was a great pivot away from the uh, prostitution ring into the, you know, the, the uh, electric power truck. <laughs> great. <laughs> You know, I, I find that's, that quite that's true. And I, I think I, it's awesome to see that. I would also say uh, I wrote probably a thousand articles for myself and others, blog posts, whatever you want to call them. I wasn't good, but I was prolific. When when I would write something, it was a solitary thing, and there was no collaboration. When I had Tim or Dooner on my podcast, we spent an hour, and I got to know his story. And then I would have never, you know, he shared his struggle with. Uh, alcohol and depression and other things in the past that would have never been in a blog post. It's just, it's not what we do, but on podcasts, it's so much more natural to your point. Dooner, people want to hear the human element of it. Joe, what kind of doors has this this open for you? Because I, I, you know, if you look on if you look on LinkedIn or social media, I mean, podcasts, especially in logistics, are just popping up 
left and right, you know, some, some just flame out really quick. Some, some keep going onwards. What would your advice be to those people who are just starting out? Right. Well, first off, um, there are no logistics groupies. So I'm going to just dispel that myth. That, that's not a thing. <laughs> but um, I would say the, the door that is open is just the ability to talk to people who I would not normally get to talk to and really get to know their business. So that has been, that has been a cool thing. I, I, I do some consulting. I still do sales strategy stuff with people. So those doors obviously open up a lot more when they hear you on a podcast. So it, it has been a really cool thing. I would encourage anybody who's kind of bent that way to go ahead and do a podcast because everybody's got something to share. And I don't think it's about, if it was about uh, skill on the microphone, I wouldn't get to do a podcast. <laughs> Well, one of the things you do, and, and is, is usually my recommendation, is what I did in my first year as well, is um, podcasting. At first, you're not going to make a ton of money, right? You're, you're getting like 20 downloads. You're not going to get uh, a ton of listeners, a huge audience. No one's going to come and sponsor you if you have 20 downloads, you know. So, But what it, what it works really well with, like you mentioned, is opening those doors. And if you have a business behind it, if you have that consulting behind it, if you have a marketing right. group behind it, if you're if you're using it to sell blog posts, th- th- there's, there's other ways to make indirect income from podcasting. And I think if you go that route, you're going to stick with it longer, especially in year one, than the people who go, okay, I'm going to start a podcast and suddenly like stamps dot com and uh you know blue apron are going to sponsor me like no you need like fifty thousand right. downloads an episode <laughs> right. for them to reach out to you it's 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 a longer haul uh but how do people go and listen to what you do and and find uh find the work you're at so i'm i'm at the logistics of logistics so you'll find me a lot on linkedin i'm usually bantering with kevin hill or you or <laughs> jamin or some of the other people who i'm uh, friends with on linkedin and um you know, you find me on any of the major podcasting platforms. And uh, again, I really do appreciate this. And again, it kind of all, in my mind, gravitates around the pirate ship freight waves. All these podcasts that are popping up. And also, I would just say all these um, influencers. And that just seems like a fun community that's building around this. And I think podcasts are part of that, uh, maybe that facilitator to that uh, community. Wow. Hey, Joe, thanks for your time today, man. Uh, glad you came into our orbit, Thank you brother. so much. Get to know the dude. Find Thank him on, you find, both so much. Hey, get to know the dude. Find him on LinkedIn, Michael Vincent. I'm going to. Okay, dude. He's a good follow. <laughs> nice meeting you. All right, take it easy, Joe. All right, man. <laughs> nice Thank meeting you, Joe. <laughs> Not letting him off the hook for that one. Are you kidding me? I love it. Who's the dude? <laughs> who's the dude? Who's the dude? Big fan of the show. Wait, uh, who's the dude? <laughs> his name's in the That's title. A big question. All right, let's call. Let's let's play. I remember it. the dude. He retired in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like Andrew Luck. You left a year ago. Yeah. Boom! 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 Hey, we got Jeremy Thone on the line now. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, what's going on, Dinner and the dude? What's going on, guys? Marketing manager. What's going at, on, Jeremy? Marketing manager at 3PL Systems over in uh, Portland, Oregon. Actually, I saw you. Uh, you've taken up some hobbies, haven't you, during this? You were making these big metal boxes and hanging out with your dog. I think your dog was surfing in a picture. Totally. Yeah, we've been going to like the river, paddle boarding. I actually just got my wife uh, an inflatable stand-up for her first day. Been doing that. And then, yeah, like these metal planters. I've been kind of making and kind of finding free bamboo and whatnot and throwing it in there and excited for it to patina and do its thing. So yeah, it's totally fun. 
Now, Michael, he has he has three uh, little curly dogs like Emily Zink has. And he has a, he actually posted an amusing story on LinkedIn. He says, uh, we have three dogs that bark and we upset our neighbors. Our neighbors scream, tell your dogs to shut the F up. She then blasted, I hate everything about you from Ugly Kid Joe. The song, I, if you're uh, <laughs> kind of a dated <laughs> reference, but if you're like, you know, maybe 38 and up, you might know Ugly Kid Joe's everything I hate about you. Uh, through her speakers in the yard oh, aimed at us. How did how'd you resolve that? conflict gosh that lady is nuts she actually uh she's our neighbor she lives like right across the street from us and she was actually throwing like stuff at people on fourth of july like like sandwiches and stuff that they're making switch like loud noise so we actually me and my wife walked over there and just like talked to her and she ended up by the end of the conversation like she started crying because like my uh wife's uh 19 year old kids going through like cancer and whatnot so by the end of the conversation she was like like tearing up but she's she's a little bit crazy (laughs) <laughs> well, I, so you killed her with kindness. You, you took the enemy into your fold and 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 sucked them into your kindness web. Is that what you did, Jeremy? That's what it sounds like. That's What kind of sandwiches was she throwing on the Fourth of July? Because that could have been pretty good, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think there were probably was some like turkey and like roast beef ones. I don't know. She was nuts, <laughs> hey. but she ended up getting like the cops talking. <laughs> oh, and yeah, she she's something. Do something else. <laughs> hey, look, I got to appreciate her DJ skills, though, to just pull up, you know, Ugly Kid Joe, I Hate Everything About You on demand. I probably would have been like, hey, crank it up. I mean, I like that song. <laughs> I'm a fan. Um, speaking of songs and music, you are, you're here to play it forward. We have a clip of you uh, you tooling yeah. around with your, your Korg drum machine, your keyboard. So let's take a look at uh, the, uh, the atmospheric music of Jeremy Thone. Oh, So very, very atmospheric, very like a video game esque. Uh, what do do you play a lot of music in your spare time? Yeah, like uh, a lot of my spare time, I have like a Korg SE one, which kind of like models like a, a Fender Rhodes, one of those keyboards from like the sixties. And um, yeah, a lot of times I'm just kind of like messing around playing beats. I like a lot of like this kind of like electronic music from like guys like Fortet and John Hopkins. So I think it's something that kind of keeps me calm and whatnot during all this craziness. Aphex Twin. Do you- do you, <laughs> oh, I, I do like Apex. Do you, and do funny you, enough, I was just do you continue to gravitate towards that type of music that we just heard there, Jeremy? That was that was quite soothing. What was the inspiration for that one? Does it have a name or oh, just random stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of maybe like a Fortet song or like a John Hopkins song or um, even like a Bjork intro. Like she had a lot of her earlier stuff and it's like homogenic, sounded kind of similar to that. So kind of just simple stuff that's like lightly layered and kind of adding more stuff as you go on man bjork army of yeah. me you know speaking of army so you are a marketer 
in the TMS space, or TMS very crowded space, especially for 3PL. So how does 3PL systems differentiate themselves? How do you bring a new perspective to, to the market to get people using this? You know, I think a lot of it's just kind of like young blood. Like our CEO is like really young. He's in his early 30s, Cameron Robertson. And he, he's actually created something, a new product called ShipMind. And it basically, auto it's an API that'll bring a load into the system. It'll auto rate, auto select the carrier. It'll automatically track and then auto dispatch all these fun like rules and parameters. So he's like a really talented engineer. And I think the other thing about Cameron is that he really cares about everyone on the staff and then we also have like user meetings to kind of figure out what products to kind of create. So I think it's more of the culture that he's creating that kind of helps. And plus we've been around since like 2002. So we've been around for quite a while. Good stuff. So, uh, you know, Jeremy, being a marketer in, in, in the freight space, right? I mean, obviously with uh, 3PL systems, where do marketers in the freight space get it right and where do they get it wrong? What's your advice there? You know, I, you guys had someone, uh, on your show, like last week, two musicians that kind of were kind of playing around a little bit with their kind of kung fu video. Oh yeah, I think they're kind of. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I think that this this space, like when I actually first, I haven't been in this space for about five years, and when I first saw what you guys are doing over at Freightways and you guys as well, like I was just like, you guys are bringing so much personality into a space that's kind of just boring, you know. So I think that for for that reason, like you guys, you guys are kind of you're allowing people to show their personality in freight. And I think that that is what's going to kind of humanize it and make it right. And the same thing with those other guys that were uh, from Daddy. No, I agree. I love, I love what they're doing. You know, they're, they're kind of a, they're putting those sort of viral elements into their videos, trying to be funny, trying to use humor, showing them, using the people that work there in the videos. Uh, who do they say their mascot was that, that bearded guy who, uh, was like a friend yeah, of them. His name. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they called him up one day and they're like, can you help us fulfill some shipments? And next thing you know, the guy's the logo of the company and like the star of their commercials. I love it. It's fantastic. It's because there's kind of happened organically for them as well. And that's like, that's what makes it kind of genuine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that just, you know, showing like you guys are doing a great job of just showing your personality and just showing like just this something that I haven't really seen in the freight world. I remember when I first started out, I worked for like a broker and I, I felt like a lot of the times like our, the CEO of that company would not want us to show personality at all. You know what I mean? So I think that that part of it's just really interesting. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, yeah, I think so too. You can really get a name out for yourself right out there and and be memorable, right? I'll never forget the ship daddy, that, that commercial. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jeremy, how do people reach out and how do they learn more? Yeah. If they want to reach out, just go to 3PLSystems.com and you can also hit me up on uh, Jeremy's phone on LinkedIn. But I appreciate the time, guys. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Thanks for playing it forward. And thanks for sharing a little bit of your your perspective. We really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks, Jeremy. Wow. Exciting stuff. You know, I I like that he's doing a little electronica, too. We've had a lot of organic instruments, but he was bringing a little electronic elements. Kind of brings me back to college. Yeah, I kind of loved it. it. It was a good, uh, it was a good opening for a song. I was kind of thinking of, remind me a little bit of Pink Floyd, Us and Them, where you just kind of build this kind of organ going on. It's pretty nice. Liked it. Yeah, I think he knew who the dude was too, so he had that going for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite interviews, you know, doing are people who know who I am. <laughs> well, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, your name's only on the logo, but but we'll see. I, yeah, I don't know. Was that a big deal or a little deal to you? It was a little, it was, it was a little deal, brother. I, I find it amazing that people actually do know who I am still. I, 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 it shocks me Florida be <laughs> to like, tell you the truth. Florida be like, 
What the? All right, kids. Yeah, it's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. A lot of big deals going on around here. All this talk about USPS. I don't know. We got a lot of used truck sales, ransomware, all big things. Is uh, Emily Zink here? She is here. I am doing her. I like it. You spruced up your bedroom. It looks really great. <laughs> Matches the hat. Love the cheetah shirt. So you're looking good over there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I saw. I just saw that thing sitting around on the wall, and I was like, I should just bring that home and put it up. Might as well. We don't just see that white bed anymore. We see the what the truck side. So I like it. <laughs> well, he's usually got his latest Lego creation sitting yeah. on that bed over there. So look, you got to see where the magic happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. <laughs> well, USPS says that the $25 billion House bill will, quote, constrain the ability of the Postal Service to make operational changes that will improve efficiency, end quote. Dooner. Big deal or little deal? You know, it's a big deal. We're both kind of like uh, like leopard animals today. You have like almost a blueprint going on, as I'm noticing right now on my camera. Um, this is well. So UBS released a statement yesterday, right, saying that they are concerned. So there, there's some reasoning behind this, right? They said we are concerned that some of the requirements of the bill, well, well-meaning, will constrain the ability of the post office to make operational changes that will improve efficiency, reduce costs, and ultimately improve services to American people. But I think the problem here is that everything is just so politicized this year, right? And uh, the Postmaster General himself, DeJoy, he... He's been portrayed a couple ways, right, in the media. Some people putting him as a partisan hack. Uh, but, I mean, the truth is, there's a couple of truths here. One is, yes, he did donate $1.2 million to the Trump camp, which I think if you're kind of a watchdog on that, it might, you know, make it hit what he's saying and his messaging a little bit harder to believe. But on the other hand, he is an entrepreneur in logistics. He does have a lot of experience in this place. It was new breed logistics that he built and sold to XBO. He was on the board in XBO, and he's I think he's one of the, the few or only postmaster generals to even have logistics logistics experiment experience and not come from the department, but you know, there's a huge election at stake. So it is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a big deal. And for all the reasons that you're talking about right there, I mean, DeJoy is, he's an accomplished uh, logistics professional, as you pointed out, uh, Duner. And, and he, he, this is in the way of him right sizing and restructuring and making the USPS more efficient. And even he said even with the cuts that they're doing and the restructuring that they're doing, if everybody voted, it amounts to about eight hours of work. And he keeps reiterating that even through these measures that they're doing, there is no loss of, of service and it's not going to be bogged down. And like you said, I think it's a big deal because it needs to be done. And I think DeJoy is doing it the right way. Uh, not a politician, the first U.S. Postmaster General to not be a politician, the first one to actually have logistics background and a successful logistics background. Uh, but it's it's being politicized. Well, one point right two million so, in donations to Trump, I mean, does raise some eyebrows. That's a decent chunk of change to give to someone's someone's campaign. And also, I mean, I know that they're saying, oh, it's only eight hours of work. But if you're are we adding capacity to that? No, we're taking sorting machines out of the field and out of play. So as we know, in logistics, you if you if you add more volume, you need to add more capacity or else systems get constrained. We're already hearing a lot about mail delays. I've recently had some mail delays myself. So it's just I know what sucks about it, Michael Vincent, is that like no matter what happens in the election, whether this this hampers it or not, it's going to be controversial and we're not going to hear the end of it. 
That's exactly right. And there, there's your big deal. That's right there. And those, those sorting machines were taken out because what, the first class mail is down like 75% since those were in, in service, that type of stuff. There's a ton of facts to go dig through that you're not going to get through the political headlines. And that, to me, that's the big deal is something that needs to be done is being politicized during an election year. I just want to share this little fact. Uh, the USPS, as we're talking about them, shared out, they've been sharing out a lot of different information on their Twitter, just getting people informed because there's a lot of misinformation out there. As you know, in the news, this is a big story. So there was a lot of different people talking about it. But this is a really interesting fact I wanted to share. They said if all Americans vote by mail this year, meaning 330 million ballots over the course of the election, that would only be 75 percent of what the USPS delivers in one single day. Yeah. I thought that was incredible. Just the amount of influx and we talk about, you know, their capacity and logistics behind it, but I thought that really put everything into perspective. So I just want to share that, but moving on, you hinted about this earlier, Dooner. After more than a year of falling prices, used truck sales are actually climbing over the summer. Vincent, big deal or little deal? I think it's a big deal. It shows the it shows the the, the strength of the trucking industry, and it shows smaller fleets are adding drivers, adding trucks, and there's there's strength there. And it's obviously it's good for used truck sales, and it's ultimately good for for new uh, for new trucks. Right, your larger fleets, et cetera, are looking to retool. Uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But so when prices go up, it gives them ability to do that. I think it helps the OEMs, it helps everybody. Yeah, I mean, the spot market is at two-year highs, right? Capacity is getting constrained and with holiday season approaching, we're going to need more capacity. We're going to need more trucks. We're going to need more butts in those. Uh, we're going to need more equipment. I think J.D. Powers' Chris Visser said it really well here when he said, when a massive black swan event blows up everyone's forecasting models, the human gut becomes the main driver of decisions. Fleets waited to see what would happen to freight volumes once the stockpiling effect shook out, and they seem to be okay with what they are seeing. So fleet expansion right now is a pretty good sign, at least in our world. Yeah. Well, just two days after raising millions of dollars, a ransomware attack hit TFI International. They're a Canadian-based truckload carrier and logistics company. Dooner, is this a big deal or a little deal? Well, it's a big deal because they say they don't know what the impacts are, right? They say we don't know if any client information was taken. We don't think. But for me, I would rather know in these ransomware things, you know, were any back doors put in? It it affected four divisions. Um, you got to invest in IT and the cloud. I mean, that that that's it. Ransomware... Uh, <laughs> I guess it's a big deal because they're going to keep happening, you know, in, invest in the IT. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a big deal because they keep happening and it and obviously they're they're targeting. No, they're watching, right? They had a they had a massive raise and then all of a sudden they're under ransomware. Coincidence? I think not. Um, is this particular one a big, big deal? I think it is. Be- I think the whole the whole issue of ransomware attacks, et cetera, and targeting these companies with the large raises is a big deal. This particular one, I think it remains to be seen because, I mean, it just occurred and we're, we're not 100 percent sure uh, what kind of breach there was. Right. They, they did state that they were continuing to service their customers, et cetera, and they don't see any evidence of, of uh, proprietary information or customers information uh, being taken. But uh, obviously, it's still under investigation. Well, look out, Instacart, because DoorDash is entering the grocery delivery game. Vincent, is this one a big deal or a little deal? I think it's a big deal for a number for a number of reasons. Once to, one, there, there's competition going on there in this space for for Instacart and and others that are out there. Uh, it shows DoorDash their ability to to pivot and and their 
exploiting a market that is growing and it is only going to grow and grow more in the grocery delivery space. Uh, so those are those are big deals. You want that you want that uh, competition. And you want it to breed innovation and make it more and more efficient. It's also a big deal because. A year ago, this this was not a, 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 a something we were talking about that was was needed. But right now, it's a huge industry, uh, and it really shows that you know th- that last mile, the difference between being able to uh, efficiently and cost effectively do last mile in a in more of a gig economy type of situation than you will like a a static traditional uh, last mile uh, service provider in the logistics industry. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, explain sm- that smart, smart business. I mean, smart business food and probably a necessary business mood move for them as this just pandemic lasts. As Michael Vincent touched on, I mean, this accelerated the grocery delivery space by what people are saying is, you know, five to 10 years. I remember talking about this with a previous host of mine on the show a lot last year, whenever this topic would come up. And it was like, yeah, grocery delivery, it's kind of a thing, but it wasn't that widely used by Americans. But now, now so many of our people are using it. I have an Instagram account myself, but I'm glad there's another option now because one of the things they're talking Talking about on here is they'll be able to deliver on demand. And if you're an Instacart user, you know that as this pandemic has gone on, that window of delivery has gone wider and wider. And now they're almost like the cable company where it's like, we'll deliver between, you know, 3 and 7 p.m. on Sunday, which uh, is not really that convenient. You know, you're stripping it out. But it'll be interesting to see if DoorDash, you know, this because Instacart used to be that on demand. So DoorDash may suffer from the same uh, network struggles that they do. And eventually it won't be as on demand. But great to have this competition and great to have another entry into the market, especially for consumers. Yeah, to, to add on to that, uh, uh, Dooner, is I think this this helps with that issue that you're talking about where those windows, delivery windows, got wider and wider and wider. Obviously, if you have more service providers, uh, then there's more capacity to make this happen, but there's also that competition in the drive to have to provide a little bit better service, right, against your against your your competition. We, we talked about this before with, uh, like, uh, the do-it-yourself stores, right? In the beginning ordering and doing customer pickup was easy. Within two weeks of being into it, they were so inundated in it, they weren't ready for it, right? They set it up out of necessity, but now it's becoming much more efficient again, right? I continue to use it and it keeps getting better and better, more efficient. And it doesn't seem like the demand has lowered. It seems like they've figured out how to do these type of, you know, pick the stuff, uh, what it, what it, uh, click it and pick it type of thing, right? I guess my question is, I wonder when Uber is going to get into the grocery delivery game, because obviously their ride hailing services are really just crumbling right before us because no one is really hailing an Uber right now. I can't remember the last time I got one, but it's good to have some competition in this space. And I'm just curious. I'm wondering if the wheels are turning over at Uber because they need to make some cash and they've done, you know, the food delivery. They've really invested in the food delivery. So I'm wondering if they're going to do this, too, with any grocery delivery. So something to look forward to. According to a survey by the Pacific Business Group on Health, 57% of major U.S. employers said they're now postponing their return to work because of the recent spikes in coronavirus cases. Dooner, is this a big deal or a little deal? You know, my kids went back to school. Well, they were supposed to go back to school last week. I kept them in distance, but the school had the option. And we just got an email over the weekend that it's already shutting down. Now everyone's on distance learning. I mean, this is like the most obvious thing. People go, 
going back in buildings. Of course, they're going to spread coronavirus and that kind of thing. And then it becomes a debate of whether, like, do we just agree that the people who want to go back, go back, and you can't just shut down and keep disrupting things, especially the parent. It's it's a huge challenge for people, and, and nobody really wants to put up with it. And I think with offices, there becomes a lot of liability, right? And it becomes cost-intensive to even open the offices, and they, and they don't be, maybe they're not as worth it as they used to be. The HQ, who is it, R, R, RFI, was it over in uh, in the Oregon area? They moved their building across the Puget Sound. They spent a ton of money building, uh, I think it was supposed to be like the Avatar Oasis of, of corporate buildings, and yeah, now they're not right. You know, and look, look at all these surveys. People taking surveys all the time on LinkedIn. Everybody likes work from home over going to the office. So, uh, you know, pretty, pretty big deal. But I also think it's kind of an obvious one. And I, I, that 57 percent, I think, is going to grow even higher as we move into flu season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I think you nailed it right on the head, uh, Dooner. It's an obvious big deal, right? I mean, it's an obvious situation. It's an obvious at, at 57 percent to me sounds a little bit uh I would, it sounds low to me, actually. I would expect it to be a little bit higher, a little bit higher, according with, uh, with the bumps that we're having in coronavirus and the upticks, et cetera, like you just mentioned with the schools. And, you know, I mean, duh, if we start going back to work and people start going into office, you're going to have more cases. We're also testing a lot more people. So we're finding out these cases more. We've got getting better and better, more accurate data, et cetera. But the costs alone, Dooner uh, and Emily, are, are, are huge, right? Just in the real estate market and the commercial real estate state market how many projects were started like you said with a was it nfi or whoever it was uh over there in puget sound um etc and even right here in chattanooga there were building construction that were going on do they need those buildings now i don't know well please say the driver of a stolen tanker truck in iowa last week was driving naked while he was speeding and then crashed into a home vincent is this a big deal or a little deal uh, well, I think if uh, if it was your truck or your home or in that neighborhood where the fuel leaked and all that other kind of stuff, then it's a huge deal. Um, I, I I didn't see uh, this incident. And <laughs> I mean, there were some accounts. He was a psychiatric patient. He wasn't a psychiatric patient. He was naked. He, he wasn't naked, et cetera. But apparently he was a naked psychiatric patient. It's a, it's a crazy deal. Uh, I enjoyed reading it because it made me laugh a little bit. But, yeah, a, a big a big deal to those involved. But overall, um, not that big of a deal. Yeah, fortunately, it could have been a much bigger deal. Nobody was hurt in this incident. But that that is uh, a miracle in of itself. It happened at 6.45 a.m. So the family was in the home. They were just uninjured. The driver wasn't injured. There had to be evacuation because it was a fuel truck uh, that got damaged. According to local news outlet, Globe Exec, please had to be called to. This all started at a Quick Star Quick Trip Fuels facility at 6.30 in the morning on Thursday after a person driving a vehicle crashed through a fence of a facility. And there's actually the tanker truck driver who went over to the patient to help him out. Well, he's helping him out. The, the, the naked psychiatric patient jumps in the fuel truck, takes off, just starts driving wildly down the street, ends up uh, crashing in the house. But on the way, KWLL reports the man who's naked behind the wheel is, is pumping his fist as he drives. I have no idea what's going on there, but unfortunately and amazingly, nobody was hurt and it remained a little deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very Amen. glad it did remain a little deal because that definitely could have been something. You got to think about gas and going into a home. There definitely could have been an explosion. I've covered plenty of explosions in my news time, so that family is extremely lucky. That neighborhood is lucky, so I'm glad it didn't turn out any differently. Well, Dude, you were talking about this one last night. The WWE debuted its virtual fan experience at SummerSlam last night. Did they set a new standard, <laughs> or was it just one big Zoom meeting? What do you think about this, Dooner? Well, you know, it 
it did, like at first, if you just look at a still image, it kind of did look like Zoom meeting arena. But what I loved what they did was they set up these screens. So if you guys didn't see this, what the WWE did, they're writing this thing, Thunderdome. So everybody's trying to figure out how to bring people into virtual events, right? And create some atmosphere. And I think wrestling needs fans and reactions more than anything. Because if you're watching wrestling alone, you don't see any fans there. Then the only fan you can make fun of is yourself. And everybody who watches wrestling loves to do a little people watching and to talk a little S about people in the crowd. I mean, that's just what you do as a wrestling fan. But I love how they put all these like LED screens and they put them on rows. So it was like stadium seating of these big curved LED screens. Then they use like drones to shoot it and depth. And then they produce like what was going on in the arena. Like they were actually at like a huge event and it worked really, really well. It, it brings that connectivity. It brings that connection. And I think that this would not have worked if we weren't also used to seeing each other in these little webcam boxes in a non-office environment. So it wasn't that jarring. It wasn't offsetting. And I think that, it, I don't know, I love it. I think it was a great move and I think it becomes a standard. And I think that other sports are going to copy what WWE did. And I think that even when fans come back, I think that virtual fan, bringing virtual fans into events is going to be here to stay, at least in some small capacity. Yeah, I agree with you, Duna. I, 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 it was amazing. I thought it was really cool. I think it did set a, a, a standard. Um, it, 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 like you said, though, it, I temper it a little bit. It is not the future. People are going to want to go to those those arenas. They're going to want to do that. People watching, they were going to want to have that interaction. And as soon as they can, they're going to do it. It, it isn't the complete future, but in some capacity, it, it'll stay there. I thought it was very cool. I think it's a big deal because it shows exactly where we're at, and we're making some great great strides towards uh entertainment and uh advancements in technology and media uh throughout this crisis it's, it's advanced that as well quite obviously now emily what did you think you have to produce virtual events you always have to consider how to make the fan experience better how to always get people more involved especially at these these social events so what did you what did you make of it do you think they went the right direction or the wrong one yeah, I think, I think definitely for a sporting event, it's the right way. I mean, you watch the NBA and we're uh, right now in the playoffs and there's a lot of fans who want to be a part of it. So it's great to cut away to those fan reaction shots. The MLB is doing it. So, of course, the WWE, who is definitely fan-centric, has to do it. Um, I think there's a time and a place for it. Something like maybe a virtual event of ours, it may not make sense to have 100-plus people on a Zoom screen because – they're not cheering in the stands, you know, when we're doing a keynote. People don't hit home runs at our events. But there is definitely a way to incorporate an audience and incorporate fans and not, I wouldn't say fans, attendees. So definitely something to look forward to or look into. But I think it's just for sporting events, it works extremely well. And people aren't thinking, okay, that's one big Zoom conference. There are fans and there's fans everywhere and they want to portray that. So they did a very good job with that. Yeah, but I mean, don't downplay what you and your people have done with our virtual events, oh, yeah. Emily. They've been they've been kick ass and they've they've been awesome. And the interaction has been tremendous through the Slack channels and being able to see immediate reaction when somebody's speaking on team on 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 screen or demoing or presenting is awesome engagement that you wouldn't normally get at a event a live event. I, I contend that it's actually better in many ways. Yeah, I think what we're doing right now works extremely well for us. If we were in the sporting industry or were in a field where we needed to show those fans, it makes perfect sense to do it like they did. So hats off to all of the athletic organizations who have really brought their fans in because it is 
all about the fan experience. And I think fans still feel like they're a part of it, as you mentioned, Vince, and people still are going to want to go to in-person events. I miss sports. I miss going to sporting events. But this really helps in the time being. Robert Boosie says, I think it was great, but I heard concession sales were low. But um, that was a good one, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I agree. I mean, you're not going to have fans at uh, like a, at a virtual event. But I think that, you know, you could cut away to teams or, or maybe bring in some people from the Slack show just to give some visual representation at some point. I don't know. It's just cool. And I love seeing all the innovation. I like that people are looking at what each other are doing and borrowing from that. We've really accelerated the space um, across all mediums and it's great when you see americans put all that brain power together whether you be in logistics or wwe or mlb whatever it may be speaking next virtual event september 16th to 17th go to live.freightwaves.com check it out if you want to hear this on audio you can subscribe to freightcast get every single freightwaves podcast uh or you can subscribe to what the truck if you just want that one midday market update coming up tomorrow at noon craig fuller will be on with a big weather update uh i believe you got one other fella coming on there too right michael vincent well, we got uh ryan hofek coo at dcli talking Whoa. about that that legal battle they are having there with Osima and also Michelle Livingstone of the Home Depot will be on. All right, everybody, take it easy.